The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. Are you working? What kind of work do you do? This is the Punt and Pass Podcast. Touchdown, baby! Now, here are your hosts, two-time All-American punter Drew Butler. Mark Rick would like Drew Butler to hit it a mile in the air. And he did and the SEC's career leader in touchdown passes and completions, Aaron Murray. Touchdown! In stride as he crosses the goal line. Put it right on his hip. What a throw. Now with the latest from around the SEC and the world of college football, it's the Punt and Pass Podcast. Get to the house, sideline! Pylon! Touchdown! And the dogs are on the board first. Victory is mine. Yeah, surprisingly, I've been lame. All right, welcome into the Punt and Pass podcast. I'm your host, Drew Butler, joined as always by my co-host, Aaron Murray. Aaron, it's Tuesday, Labor Day weekend is wrapping up, and week one of college football, the 2018 season, is underway. So let's put a bow on this thing. Let's round up exactly what happened through Labor Day weekend of the 2018 college football season. We had a great, great weekend of football. I know I was active on Twitter and Instagram. Aaron, so were you. Punt and Pass was firing off, too, at Punt and Pass on Instagram and Twitter. You are at Murray 11 I am at Drew Butler 13 We're going to talk about the biggest and best games of the weekend. Also, we're going to tell you who the top eight players were for the Ray Guy Award and the Davey O'Brien Quarterback of the Year Award. That's going to come up a little bit later on in the show. But remember, we are the official partners of the Ray Guy Award and the Davey O'Brien Award. Hence, punt and pass. Let's put a bow on this thing, Aaron. Starting at 3.30 on Saturday in Atlanta, the Chick-fil-A kickoff game. Number 9 Auburn beat number 6 Washington 21 to 16. I picked Washington. You picked Auburn. This was a great game. Two stout defenses. As you can expect, a lot of first game mistakes were made. It just seemed like Washington's, man, they were disastrous. They could not come back for how many times they shot themselves in the foot. Yeah, it was it was not the prettiest. And that, that you expect that first game, especially in a loud environment, there's gonna be communication difficulties. There's gonna be difficulties just making sure that you have everyone on the same page. And, and one, that's kind of why people want to play lesser opponents in that week one game to kind of make it a little bit easier. You understand that there's going to be some problems uh, all over the place. And, and it just seemed to hurt Washington a little bit more than it did Auburn. I thought Auburn, for the majority of the game, looked pretty smooth going against a tough defense. like uh, Washington, Auburn, two of the best in the country when it comes to the defense side of the football but Jared Stidham, year two, and I've been harping on this guy since last year, year two in the system, he looked comfortable, he looked confident, he's accurate in the pocket. He didn't have the greatest day. I mean, he had 273 yards, only one touchdown, but he's going against a very talented defense. And then you throw in the fact that I still have a lot of question marks about the, the surrounding support 
with him. Yeah, he has Cam Martin, who had a decent day with 80 yards. But the receiving position, there's not a lot of no. talent that's going to surprise you and awe you and, and go out there and make a ton of plays. It's going to be on his shoulders. I think we saw that this game. If this if this team's going to want to move in the right direction, obviously it starts with that great defense, that great front four for Auburn. But it's on the arm of Jared Stidham. He has to be perfect because he is no like I said, no support around him that's going to be able to pick him up and make those big time plays week after week like we saw last year. No, you're right. And uh, Stidham did look good. He was throwing a very accurate football as opposed to a year ago, like you just said, Aaron. He looked a lot more comfortable. He has settled into that starting SEC quarterback role. But I was really surprised by Washington's defense, right? I know a lot of people were talking about how good they were. A bunch of question marks around how they would react in a big game setting against a top 10 SEC team, but they held their own. They really did. They were getting Auburn off the field. They forced a couple of missed field goals. But, man, I I think it was in the second or third quarter, Jake Browning, Washington's quarterback, rolls out, gets away from pressure towards the sideline, just going to toss it out, third down, play for a punt, and he, like, throws it inbounds directly to an Auburn player. I mean, I was shocked by that. I'm sitting there going, what is going on, dude? And then you had, obviously, the pitch in the red zone, which turned to a fumble. What are we doing? Uh, Tried a little trickery. Listen, at the end of the day, these early games, they come down to penalties and they come down to turnovers. And and for Washington, two turnovers compared to Auburn's none. When you play great defenses, there's going to be difficulties. But when you play these big games, you can't turn the football over. It kills momentum. It kills drives. It gives the other team the confidence and the energy to go forward. And that's what Washington did. They put themselves, win the opportunity to put a couple points on the board or the opportunity to punt the ball and flip field position. They weren't able to do that by coughing it up on that side of the football. I was a little surprised by Jake Browning, a kid who's played a lot of football. He's played in a lot of top games as a quarterback for Washington. He did not look comfortable. And just like Stidham is going to have difficulty with his receivers. I think Jake Browning's the same thing with Washington. Yeah, they have Gaskin, who's a tremendous running back for that football team, but there's not a lot of great receivers there. So I feel like he's going to struggle a little bit, just like he did last year. You look back two years ago, had a tremendous season as a sophomore. Last year it dipped because there wasn't a lot of time for receiving position. Look for that to continue this season until they can find that number one, number two guy who can continuously go out there and dominate these cornerbacks and safeties. You're totally right, and Washington is going to have to get better quickly because in order for them to make a true run at the college football playoff, it seems like they're going to have to – Run the table in the Pac-12. Auburn gets a huge win over a top-10 team. They are looking good after week one. Night game, Saturday night, number 12, Notre Dame welcomes in number 14, Michigan, into South Bend, and they roll over the Wolverines 24-17. to Now, that score does not indicate the lopsided nature of this game because Michigan scored late. Brandon Wimbush looked efficient. The Irish offense was clicking Man, Aaron, you and I were texting. That defense was flying around, and your boy Shea Patterson got shut down. Could Notre Dame make some real noise this season with a big week one win? It was a big week one. A little surprising uh, win, Bush, the way he started. Still not a great game. I mean, 12 of 22. We talked about his accuracy. Can he be better than 50%? He's better than 50%, but that's still not a great showing by him about 53 56 percent yeah it's i mean if if in order to be i think 
this team to win football games the rest of this season because they're going to play. You know, Notre Dame has a tough schedule throughout the season. He's going to need to get more than that 60% range. I think he demonstrated he could in, in that first quarter and second quarter, but he needs to show that he can play an entire four quarters, be accurate that entire time. And then let's flip it over to Shea Patterson. Listen, there's no support. I thought he had a good game to start off. I thought he was accurate. He made some plays in the pocket, out of the pocket, I think towards the end of the game, obviously after he came back from his little injury, he was just forcing it. He was trying to make plays when they weren't there, uh, seemed a little frustrated with his supporting cast. They couldn't run the football. They, they just couldn't get it going. The offense line could not handle the front four, the front seven of Notre Dame. And and if you can't run the football in these type of games and, and you try to put on your quarterback to continuously go out there and make plays, it's going to be tough sledding, especially on the road in a loud environment. They just didn't get settled. I, I think the, the most surprising thing watching that game was the Michigan defense. You expect those guys to come in there and dominate all the returning starters back from a season ago. Top-tier talent, too. I mean, top, top talent all over the board, whether it's the front four or into the secondary. And you let Wimbush early in the game kind of dictate what's going to go on and, and, and what direction this game's going to head in. I thought that was the biggest surprise of the day. For me, and and really, you gave Wimbush and you gave this team hope early on. You know, when those first couple of drives, they're able to move it up and down the field. All of a sudden, Notre Dame's thinking, we're going to win this game. We we, Our question was, we're going to have to shut Michigan down. Now it's looking like we're going to be able to outscore them uh, based on the way our offense is playing, the base of the way Michigan defense is not playing great at the moment. Well, you know, Michigan's play on defense gave Notre Dame hope early on. But I gave Notre Dame hope Last week when I say they would win this game, they were going to learn from a year ago. I expected Brian Kelly to have this offense and defense, the unit as a whole, to be ready to roll because they lost to Georgia in a close game at home at night last year, and it cost them late in the season. I picked Notre Dame here. I feel good. I feel vindicated because a lot of my other picks were not right, Aaron. But Notre Dame, again, off to a great week one start. Those were probably the two best games of the weekend. Let's roll through some of these other ones real quick. Sunday night, our former head coach, Mark Rick, starts season three in Miami for the Hurricanes, the number eight ranked Miami Hurricanes go up against the number 25-ranked LSU Tigers. A lot of questions around the LSU Tigers. Coach O going into his second season. A new quarterback, Joe Burrow. And, man, LSU stomps out Miami 33-17. to Yikes. What's the story here, Aaron? Was Miami awful, or is LSU legit? Listen, I hate to blame a punter. For anything, I hate to, but but Miami's punter. I just listen when you are an offense and and you're looking up and and you have the ball at the 50 yard line. Okay, we need 20 yards to get in field goal range, 50 yards to score. That's a big difference than going having to go 80 plus yards against a very talented Miami defense. He those shanks he had early in the game when they the ball the 35 40 yard line and he only punts at 15, 20 yards, you give another team momentum, you give another team great field position, it completely changes the mindset of an offense. So if he could have just kicked a decent punt, give me a 40, 45-yard punt, you put LSU back. His LSU's offense was not it, – it's not great. Listen, it's not a great offense. If you make them drive 80 yards, 
they're not going to score that many points. They're not going to have the momentum. Listen, Miami as a whole did not play great. I think that's one of the things that really stood out to me was the punting game. Obviously, Malik Rozier, I thought, had some really good throws early on in the game, was accurate down the football field. Second half kind of went downhill really fast with the turnovers. A lot of penalties for the Miami team. Um, LSU just looked more disciplined. They looked more disciplined on offense or on defense. Offensively, I still don't think this team is going to be good because they don't have a quarterback. Joe Burrow, yeah, he may have a couple good throws here and there. He had some good dig routes, like 15, 20-yard passes across the middle of the field. But overall, 11 for 24, 140 yards. <laughs> it's funny. The first first series, you look at his eyes, and his eyes are just yeah. complete bugs. I'm like, oh, my God, his eyes are going to pop out of his helmet. He didn't look like he was very confident heading into that game. Maybe he settles in going forward, get that you know that first game jitters out of his out of his system. But he did not look impressive. I don't think he's the guy that's going to turn this program around. Uh, they're still going to have, like I said, it's going to be a long season for them. But it was a good start, though, and it's a good representation for this the, for the CC between this game, obviously Auburn being Washington. I think it shows that hey. All this talk about the Big Ten, Pac-12, Big 12. And you were carrying that Big Ten water, too. I was carrying that Big Ten water. I think this was a great weekend to show that the SEC is still tops in the country. If you can beat Miami, who is number two or number three in the ACC, you beat the best Pac-12 team. That's a great start to the season. No question. You mentioned the punts. I'm just going to go to the entire special teams. Miami had a lot of STDs. That's special teams disasters. Look, they go three and out the first drive, Aaron. 20-yard punt gives uh, LSU the ball at Miami's 47-yard line. They get three points off of it. Then a couple drives later, after a missed field goal, Miami goes three and out again, and... A 34-yard punt gives the ball at LSU's 42. They score a touchdown. Then another three and out and a 22-yard punt to the LSU 44. LSU takes the ball and goes and gets a field goal. The score was 33-17, to but Miami scored 14 fourth-quarter points. Okay, So it was 33-3 to heading into the fourth quarter. You said it, though. I still think there's a lot of question marks around LSU. Miami turned the ball over. They missed field goals. They had terrible special teams play. This score may not exactly indicate how good or bad LSU is moving forward. Um, I think what it does indicate, though, is that Miami may not be as good as people thought they would be. Malik Rogier, not exactly the debut he wanted going into his senior season. I believe he's a senior, Aaron. And uh, Coach Rick going to have to right this ship quickly because, look, Miami doesn't have the toughest schedule, but you've got to fix those errors because those will absolutely come back to haunt you throughout a long, long season. So LSU, like you just said, looking good for the SEC West. They beat Miami 33-17. to I'm looking forward to seeing where they end up in this week's AP Top 20. Five. All right, we talked about punters, so that's going to bring me into Ray's eight. That's the top eight punters of the week for the Ray Guy Award. I'm going to give you the top eight punters right now, and then on Thursday, check back. I'll tell you who the player of the week is. So here are Ray's eight for the first week of the college football season of 2018. A name, if you like punting, you may be familiar with Mitch Wishnowski from Utah. He is the first of Ray's eight. 
Corliss Waitman from South Alabama, Dane Roy from Houston, Jack Fox from Rice, James Smith from Cincinnati. I saw that game against UCLA. He definitely helped them beat Chip Kelly in his debut. Sterling Hoffrichter from Syracuse, Jack Bailey from Stanford, and Cody Grace from Arkansas State. So there are your Rays 8. Check back on Thursday. I'll tell you who the Player of the Week is for the Ray Guy Award. Aaron, I think you might have somebody on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, we got the Davey O'Brien great eight quarterbacks. There's a lot of great quarterback play this week. I Man. mean, this is, this is pretty impressive. It's been a great week. It was fun watching these guys. Some names, some young guys, and some veteran guys. We'll start off with the veteran. One of the Heisman favorites, Will Greer, had a tremendous day versus Tennessee. Pretty expected with five touchdowns. Tua Tungavailoa. There you go. Mr. Alabama. Mr. Alabama had a tremendous day. I mean, his ability not only to pass the ball, but sneaky, his ability to escape, use his legs. We saw that in the national championship game. We saw this past weekend. Mackenzie Milton. That's your boy right this there. This year, last year. Like this kid a lot, especially in their offense. He's going to put up a lot of points and a lot of numbers. Mason Fine, three touchdowns. Cole McDonald for Hawaii. Once again, another great week. Had a great week for Colorado State to start the season. Turns around versus Navy, has six touchdowns. Kyler Murray, yeah. extremely impressive, looking like Johnny Manziel out there, running around, looking like it looks like high school. I, I used to do stuff like that. If, you know, <laughs> go to YouTube. Middle school. Go to YouTube. Go, go YouTube. I used to run around <laughs> like that in high school. Not so much I got to the SEC, so that was pretty impressive. Dwayne Haskins, a tremendous day for Ohio State, five touchdowns. And then Jared Stidham, the stat line's not great, but of all the – it's not bad. I mean, 26-36, 273 in a touchdown. But of all the players, probably played the toughest defense of all these quarterbacks, showed great leadership, great poise, and great accuracy. So that's why he is on that list as well. Really impressive week. It's going to be hard to decide. All these guys started the year off extremely strong. No doubt, dude. Uh, we will announce the Davey O'Brien Player of the Week on Thursday, but I was just watching the games this weekend, and I'm tweeting out like, okay, he's going to be on the grade eight. He's going to be on the grade eight. I mean, there is some deep, deep quarterback play this season throughout college football, so it's going to be fun to see how that award kind of Gets around the top guys. It'll be fun to watch. Speaking of somebody who had a fantastic stat line, West Virginia, Aaron, smoked Tennessee and Charlotte 40-14. to Number 17, Mountaineers, off to a great start. Dana Holgerson, and uh, especially that defense. But, but Tennessee, I mean, give me at least a quick breakdown. They're not ready. They couldn't block, and they couldn't tackle. I was going back and forth between that and the Auburn game, and I'm sitting there going, this is awful. I mean, absolutely yeah, terrible. And, and the thought was that this team this year going forward with a new head coach was going to be tougher at the line of scrimmage and they're obviously going to tackle better on the defense side of football did not look like this that this past saturday and in and, and west virginia that's going to be the, the the easiest defense they play this entire season when they get into that sec schedule and they're oh, playing against man. some of these top defenses it's going to be a rough rough outing for that offense going forward I mean, Garantano had a decent day, but like I said, this is West Virginia is not known as a defensive football team. They're known as an offensive team. It showed on Saturday, Will Greer, five touchdowns, just went up and down, had his way with that Tennessee defense. David Sills, big receiver on the outside, 140 yards, two touchdowns. 
that offense is going to be rolling. I'm, I'm really excited to see what they can do uh, in that conference. Obviously, it's 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 a pretty I love using the word cupcake, I guess. Cupcake defenses in the Big 12. So I, this is not going to be, um, you know, you're going to see this week in, week out with this West Virginia offense. You're going to see four or five touchdowns from Will Greer. He's going to dominate. It's pretty much between them and Oklahoma, it's looking like. I'm, I'm interested to see that game. TCU is still a good team in that conference. But I like West Virginia. I like Oklahoma. Those two offenses, when they clash, that's going to be a fun game to watch. Tennessee, oh, get call just, Paul Feinbaum. Where's Feinbaum It's gonna be a rough. It's gonna be. <laughs> it's gonna be a rough Dude, year. They I look keep just bagging them. I, the SEC East needs some help um, going forward because the West looks pretty dang good. But I don't think Tennessee's anywhere close to where they need to be to be competitive. Not anywhere close. You know, obviously it's Jeremy Pruitt's first year. We all understand that. That is a fact. But. I'm going to give you a, a quote from a friend of mine who's a Tennessee diehard fan. Quote, Tennessee is awful. That's what he texts me, okay? So we'll just leave it at that. A long way to go this season. I think one thing that they could probably hang their hat on in 2018 is that they get a big win in conference. So let me just ask you this. This is a yes or no question. Any chance they beat Florida in week three? No. Okay. There's no That's chance. A, no chance. Well, Murray there's, says no there's, chance. There's always a chance. There's always a chance. It is at home for Tennessee, so I do give them a chance. But I just think Florida's a better football team overall. But the good thing is Tennessee's going to have cupcake games the next two weeks yeah. against easier opponents, so maybe they can get their rhythm going, get that swagger, feeling confident before they head into that stretch, which consists of Florida, at Georgia, at Auburn, Alabama, and then at South Carolina. For sure. I mean, that is – T- tough. Well, probably the toughest stretch in all of college football. If you look at every schedule of every team this season, it's going to be tough. So hopefully they can get something rolling on both sides of the football before they play that Florida team uh, on the 22nd. Speaking of somebody that had it rolling on both sides of the football, number one Alabama just embarrasses Louisville. 51-14. to Tua Tagovailoa starts. He is very good at Football. Now, I've been saying this, Aaron. We all know how good Tua is. I was asking a question, is it fair to crown him after 30 minutes of football in the national championship? After Saturday night, it seems like it's fair to crown him as a pretty good quarterback. But I'm still on this bandwagon, and feel free to jump along whenever you see fit. Jalen Hurts did not turn the ball over. He doesn't turn the ball over. He was 26-2 and as a starter and won a national championship game. But Tua is clearly, clearly an elite passer. Jalen, maybe not even a good passer. What's Tua's downside? He is pretty reckless when it comes to extending the play and throwing the ball into trouble. He had one touchdown pass on Saturday night where he did a little spin move inside the pocket. He was falling to the ground and just chucked the ball across his body, across the field, one-on-one coverage, and the defender kind of got put in a blender, and it seemed like a great touchdown, but I'm sitting there going, wait a minute. That was very, very, very risky. Bottom line, though, Alabama looks unbelievable again, and, and uh, it's, it's impressive. It's impressive, Aaron. Yeah, you're going to have this, but you need that kind of gunslinger mentality, that Brett Favre mentality, where you're just going to go out there and let it rip, because that's when you get the big plays, and obviously that's when you're going to get some risk, but I think He'll start to cut down on these risky throws. The more you go in there, get more film. You look back to last year, Tua was playing end of games against you know mop-up teams and, and kind of mop-up time. 
So he's going out there just winging it, having fun. Now he's he's the guy. He has to start realizing. I'm sure the coach is going to start harping on him. Yeah, that play looks great. It's going to be you know top ten play of the week or whatever it may be. But you can't do that against top talent week in and week out. You can't put our team at risk. So he'll start to play smarter. But you don't want to take that game player mentality out of him where he goes out there and just will drop dimes left and right. He's taking risks because there is risk associated with playing quarterback and playing at an elite level. You have to trust your receivers to go make plays. You have to trust your reads because if there's any moment of hesitation, that's actually when you make more mistakes in a football game from the quarterback position. So I'm fine with it. Like I said, he'll grow and mature throughout the season and understand when and when not to make certain throws. But like you said, he is an elite passer. You saw it all day. These aren't, this isn't the dink and dunk offense that we're used to from Alabama where you're running, you're throwing to running backs on swing routes or in the flats, or you're throwing eight yard hitches. He's throwing post routes. Oh, he's yeah. He's go balls. I mean, ropes. This, this is a scary, scary. I'm watching this game. I'm like, I don't know who can beat Alabama. When they're rolling like that offensively, and obviously, you know, they're going to be top notch on the defensive side of the football. I don't know who can compete with I'll tell guys. you. I'll it's tell you who can tough. compete with them. Somebody who can keep it within a field goal game because that field goal kicker missed an extra point. He missed a short chip shot field goal. Alabama's kicking woes continue. But get this, dude. Get this amazing statistic. Alabama has been ranked number one in the AP poll at some point for 11 straight mm. seasons. I mean, that is absolutely unbelievable when you talked about growing up and maturing when is Nick Saban gonna mature and take it easy dude you win the game by 40 points former Georgia Bulldog Maria Taylor walks up and says hey any news on the quarterbacks after that game and he freaking blows a gasket on her tells her to quit asking it with a very abrasive tone uh it's reported that Nick called Maria and apologized to her after the game I mean dude take a chill pill you look like an asshole nobody you know the the whole oh but he's so dominant he likes to win that's not an excuse the dude was disrespectful not only to a reporter but to a woman i know my dad would be mad at me if i talked to a girl like that it's listen it's his fault until you make a decision people are gonna ask it's you brought it upon yourself by not saying two was our guy i think everyone knew he's the guy Obviously, you want to hold it back to uh, create some kind of advantage in the game, but it's your fault. Expect those questions when you're you're being indecisive about uh, who's going to be your QB one heading into the season, who's going to be your guy going forward throughout the season. So finally, he made the decision. Uh, so hopefully, the, the the comments and the questions calm down uh, about the quarterback position for Alabama. But still, I agree. It's it's disrespectful. I don't know why he was so angry. He just put a whooping on Louisville. He should be a happy guy. Uh, I mean, and, and, and I think, I think, it. I think the, I think the game demonstrated too that Tua was the guy. So I, I don't see why you just go up and say, "Hey, listen, I think today was a perfect example. What our offense is capable of doing under Tua. I think for this is us, and I'm excited to see what we can do going uh, for the rest of the season." Here's my only beef. Right? He said they're both good players, so I'm not going to say something disrespectful about either of them. Here, here's. You said something disrespectful about Tua right there because Tua looks pretty damn great, and Jalen is is just okay. So uh, Tua's great. Jalen's okay. Leave it at that. Tua is your starting quarterback moving forward. Let's wrap this up, Aaron. 
last night, Monday night, Labor Day, Virginia Tech, number 20, stomps out Florida State. I've been saying it all offseason. Willie Taggart, biggest question mark in college football, head scratch higher for Florida State. I didn't understand all of the hype around the Seminoles, and, man, they got whopped 24-3. to 24 to 3 block punt for a touchdown Ooh. interceptions Virginia Tech 75 yards opening play script to perfection Florida State fell flat on their face looks like Clemson's going to have a cakewalk into the ACC championship and college football playoff but Willie Taggart terrible terrible debut yeah it did not look good last night the offense just seemed, in my opinion, very simple. It was all a lot of bubble screens, quick screens. They would get into that diamond formation uh, on both sides and just throw a quick screen. It's, you're pretty much saying, telling the defense what's going to happen. And when you have a talented Virginia Tech defense, I know they lost a lot of a lot of guys, a top linebacker, secondary guys, whether it's to the NFL draft, whether it's some guys were dismissed or left the team in the offseason. Still, they're they're well coached. We know that. Everyone knows that. They're going to be well-prepared, and they just look like they knew what was going on. They knew what the offensive game plan was going to be. They executed the defense side of the fall to perfection. And then Josh Jackson really matured. He had a great freshman season. I think he took another step forward last night. But between FSU's offense looked pretty simple. And then I just want to talk about their defense. Their defense aligned and their linebackers. You saw it that first possession. Out of position, left and right. Yeah. The big touchdown run from Virginia Tech had. The linebackers go in the completely wrong direction. Hole is gaping wide. And then there's another play later in that in the, in the second quarter as well. An outside run. Linebacker goes inside instead of outside. The running back pretty much was given the hole to take. They just did not look like they wanted to play. They, they weren't physical. Um, and they even demonstrated that first touchdown pass, Jocks Jackson. I don't think it's a – it was not a great throw. It was just a jump ball. The ball was hanging in the air for the about three or four nothing. seconds. And the defenders, uh, they're looking like it's practice, like walkthrough. And it's like he didn't even attempt to make a play in the football. I know he was outsized by about four inches, but still, their defense looked like they were sleepwalking the entire game. And same on the offensive side of the football. They looked like they were going out there for a walkthrough Friday practice, not Very a Monday well night primetime game against Virginia Tech in conference. Willie Taggart has a long way to go to get that team in the right direction. DeAndre Francois, a ton of talent. You saw it last night. can make some really impressive throws. But then there's the bad interceptions. Uh, they had some bad fumbles earlier in the game as well. Did not look smooth. Not a great start to his tenure at FSU. No, not great at all. And you said it best. It looked like they were playing in a Friday walkthrough. Not exactly how you want to open the 2018 season. A lot of good matchups on paper, but only a few worth really watching through the fourth quarter, Aaron. Hopefully this season we get a lot more exciting college football games. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Georgia routed Austin P 45 to nothing. Number three ranked Bulldogs are getting ready for a huge week in Columbia, South Carolina. Be sure to check back into punt and pass on Thursday. We will have a special guest join us to break down some of the biggest games in college football. We're only going to have a few top games in week two, but I bet you they are closer and much better than some of the games that week one had to offer. He's Aaron Murray at Aaron Murray 11. I am Drew Butler at Drew Butler 13. Thanks for listening to at Punt and Pass. Check back in with us on Thursday. See you.